I thought I might bring a few thoughts from Isaiah 58. Like you, brothers and sisters, I very much am desirous of the furtherance of the gospel. I, I greatly desire to see God arise. I want to see revival. Um, I, I don't have any appreciation at all for dead religion. I, I love to see the prayer meetings full and I greatly desire to have answers to prayer. And Isaiah 58 is one of my favorite places in the scriptures concerning getting an answer to prayer. So if you've got your Bibles there, Isaiah 58, verse 9. I think I can speak for every one of you that you want the first two lines of Isaiah 58, 9, to be true of your prayer life, your church's prayer meetings, this prayer meeting. You want this reality. We want this. None of us want to pray simply to, to ceilings of brass. None of us want to pray and have no answer to our prayer. None of us want to pray and have no sense of God drawing near, of God uh God manifesting himself, God giving an answer. Isaiah 58, verse 9. Then you shall call. Now, I'm not going to deal with the, the then immediately, but I'm going to get to it. But the first thing I want you to do is see the promise. Obviously, T-H-E-N at the beginning of this verse means that this is conditional. This, this is based on something that we do, and, and that's no different than what we might find in different places in the New Testament. There are places where it seems like promises regarding prayer are conditional, and there are some places it seems like they're not conditional. But here we've got, here we've got a condition. But what's the promise? The promise is, you shall call, and the Lord will answer. That's what we all want whether we're praying for revival, whether we want, we're praying for the salvation of souls. There's, there's a myriad of things we pray for. I'll tell you this. There's a promise in our New Testaments. And this promise is not just made to the apostles. It's made to everybody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly how Christ says it. Whoever believes in him, he promises that the works that he does, that we will also do, and greater works we will do. And then he goes into whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it. There are promises. We've, we've been given a promise that if we ask our, our Father for the Holy Spirit, we being evil, you know the text know how to give good gifts to our children. There are promises we want to see answers to, the Spirit of God, whatever it means. It means something that we would do the works that Christ does and even greater. He went about doing good. He went about taking the gospel. Now, he was very limited in what his father gave him as far as a stretch of land to cover. 
God has opened up the whole world to us. I've got to believe that all has to do with the fact that he went to his father and that he was going to unleash the spirit of God upon the church. There are promises. We want to see God arise. We want to see God answer our prayers, the, the biggest prayers. We have, a, we have us a God that's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we ask or think, according to the power at work in us. We want to see that power uh, put on display. We want to see it work through the church, work through God's people, that we want to see our children saved. We want to see our parents saved. We want to see the salvation of our neighbors, our, our towns, our cities, our communities. We want to see people well saved in our churches. Oh, half-baked, half-saved people. What a curse that is in the church. We want to, we want to see God saved well, and we want to see them stay the course. We don't want to see people make shipwreck. We, we desire that the gospel would have power. We desire that the preaching would be life transforming in our churches. We desire these things. And so every one of us have an interest of calling and having the Lord answer. And the next line, it gets even better. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. I love that. I mean, you, you see what's happening. You get a person who cries out, and it's as though God stops in his tracks and says, here's somebody crying out to me, put everything on hold. I'm going to go answer them. Now, there's a condition here. We want to see that condition. We want to know, hey, what's involved in this? Because I want this. You want this. We want to pray and have God so obviously answer us on a regular basis. We want to know this God showing up after we pray and saying, here I am. And what does that mean? That doesn't just mean I'm here. That doesn't just mean, well, you ask for something and I want you to know that I'm real, that I exist. Yeah, you know, we need to believe that God exists. Oh, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek it. That's the real issue. We want God to reward. We want God to give. We want God to answer the prayer. We want God to come close. We want it. We, we want the biggest things, the best things. We want him. We want him to manifest himself. We want him to draw close. We want, we, oh, there are promises. Christ said that as the father loved him, so he loves us. We have promises that seem to, I mean, you think about John 16, John 17, promises of just being swept into the Trinitarian love. Which one of us doesn't want to be cast up to higher degrees of glory, beholding the glory of the Lord, being transformed into his likeness. We, we should want that communion and fellowship with God. We, we want a sense of him drawing near to him and he draws near to us. I mean, these are the kind of prayers. These are the big prayers. We want God himself. We want Christ himself. We want a greater knowledge of this triune God that we worship. We want these things. We want to grow. We don't, we don't want to be the same tomorrow as we are today. We don't want our churches to be the same tomorrow as they are today. We don't, we, as I said before, we don't want dead religion. We want the living thing. We want the vibrancy of the book of Acts. Well, okay. Okay. This, this is just part of the promise. If we go to verse 8, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. So this, this, the promises here, I've, I've got at least 14 promises marked off here in Isaiah 58. 
our light breaking forth like the dawn. We're the light of the world. I mean, Jesus has handed the baton on to us. We're the ones to be salt and light here. Our light, we're children of light. We're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We know that that's where we've been planted. We have a calling to shine. We have a calling to, to bear truth upon this dark and ignorant world. And, it, and there's a promise here that we'll be lights. We're going to break forth like, I mean, the sun the sun comes up over the horizon out here, and it's blinding when it comes across the top of the school building across the street. This, this is the idea. This is like the dawn. Your healing shall spring up speedily. I mean, if we put a spiritual context on it, we could, we could look at this physically, but, oh, we need healing. We're, we, we come to Christ broken. We come with the wreckage of our depravity, and we need, we need healing. Our churches need healing. We need that kind of divine healing, but that leprosy uh, swept away. Your righteousness shall go before you. I mean, your righteousness shall go before you. You think about what that means. It, it almost seems like our reputation precedes us. Your righteousness goes before. It's almost like it's separate from you. It's before you. Like, you have a reputation, much like when Paul would talk about, you know, the reputation of some of the churches and their faith and how it was known through throughout all of uh, Macedonia and Achaia. It's that kind of thing. It's like our reputation precedes us. But remember, this is all based on something. But here's these promises. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. I mean, that's a promise of protection, a rear guard. And then you have the two, pro the two lines here of promise concerning prayer. But if we go down to, to verse 10, the last two lines, your light shall rise in the darkness. That's like the first promise back up there in verse 8. Again, it's light. Your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you. Guidance. We acknowledge the Lord in all our ways. He directs our path. There's guidance. God's showing us the way. We need to know the way. We don't know the way. And satisfy your desire in scorched places. And, you know, I, I, I spent almost 25 years of my life in San Antonio, Texas. I know what it's like to be 113 in the summer. I know what it's like to live in a scorched place, physically speaking, but we know what it is. This, this Manchester, this United Kingdom is a scorched place spiritually. This is the idea that even if you find yourself in a barren land spiritually, God is going to see that you're satisfied and your desires in other words, there's going to be life, there's going to be greenery, there's going to be, there's going to be goodness, there's going to be help where you are, even if you find yourself in a wider, broader landscape that's scorched and parched and desert. He makes our bones strong. I mean, we need, we need strength. We have an innate weakness and we feel it. I mean, we're, you think about it. We're up against fallen angels. We need to put on the armor of God. We need to do all that we can stand in this evil day. We need strength. You should be like a watered garden. I mean, what a picture is that? If there's anything about this United Kingdom, it's watered. The rains come and the gardens here are absolutely stunning. 
It's it, this is a picture of just vitality and life and greenery and flowers and sweet aromas it would be like a spring of water. And we know water is so life giving here and, and, and not only a spring of water, but I, the waters don't fail. The ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, the waste places. I mean, coming in to some place where maybe they had the gospel and it's all burned over now. They're like this country, this country, so many of my heroes came from this place, Carrie, uh, Spurgeon, uh, Lloyd-Jones. And, and where are these guys now? I mean, what's, what's happened to the Hudson Taylors of this land and the John G. Paytons and where have they gone? I mean, it's, it's, uh, but, but here's promises that you can come in where there was once life. That's what the ruins are all about. And what ruins? Well, sin ruins. I mean, even the ancient ruins of just this human race, we were, we were created upright. And now we look at the wreckage of mankind. But, but what's the promise? We'll be the rebuilders. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. That kind of, that has me looking forward. I want my family, my family. Nominal Catholic, I don't know any Christian before my generation. Maybe, maybe my dad was saved at the end, but I, I, I'm not sure. I want to see the future generations of my family all the way to the end of time. 10 generations, 20 generations, as many generations. I want to see Christians in the Conway family. I want to see the foundations. I would like to see the churches that I've been involved with pastoring last and be healthy for 100 years. I mean, you shall be called the repairer of the breach. We know what a breach is. I'm mean, a break in the wall or a breach between God and man. We're the ones who come as ambassadors of Christ, bearing this message of reconciliation, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And many emphasize the word dwell could also be rest. It's like the Septuagint talks about thou shalt cause thy paths to rest in the midst of thee. It's, it's like access from one tranquil and prosperous dwelling place to another. It's streets of rest. Now, here's the thing. All these promises, what are they based on? Well, you know, some of you, I'm sure, Isaiah 58 is about the fast that God chooses. The people were seeking to be religious, and God said, you want to know what kind of religion I want? And it's the same truth we find in the New Testament. What's true and undefiled religion? It's got to do with visiting orphans and widows and their affliction. What did Jesus say? He said, you want to know what judgment day looks like? It's not necessarily exactly the, the theological systems that each one of us held to, the eschatology that we all had perfected. You know what Jesus says in the end? I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was naked. I was a stranger. Do you know Isaiah 58 resonates with this exact same truth? It's look at verse seven. This is the kind of fast God desires. Share your bread with the hungry. Bring the homeless poor into your house. When you see the naked, cover him. Don't hide yourself from your own flesh. You, you could read words just like that right out of Matthew 25 when Jesus is saying, 
what the sheep on his right hand have done in their lives. And now what you want to capture is this. This is the key to the fulfillment of all these promises, including the two with regards to prayer. You shall call, the Lord will answer, you shall cry, and he will say, here I am. This, this is what this is based on. Look at verse 10. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then these things will be true. And so my exhortation to everybody is, is simple. I want this. I desire to, to pray and have God say, here I am. I desire that. Oh, I desire that. But I recognize this. If you think about it, Jesus said this. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. What, was, what were his words? That we love one another. What, was, what were his words? I was hungry. You fed me. Thirsty. You, you gave me to drink. Naked. You clothed me. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was in prison. You, you know the text. And it's, it's the same reality. Jesus is saying that if my word abides in you, you will ask what you will, and I'll say, here I am. And so I want to encourage everybody. I know we've got a big group of people here that are desirous to see God move. But I also recognize that one of the things that the Lord is is looking for in our lives is is this very kind of Christianity that we seek to imitate Christ. Christ went about doing good. And and I think if if there is anything to bless our prayer meetings, it is when we can come gather together corporately and we can come before God with lives that reflect, you know what, we've been pouring ourselves out for the hungry. We've, we've visited those in prison. We've gone out to the sick. We've taken special note of the widow and the orphan. We're seeking out their cause like Job did. And we're not turning our backs. We're not turning blind eyes. Folks, we, we're the ones who are called to imitate Christ in this world, and it's a needy world. And so that's my exhortation to you all, that we would seek to really implement Isaiah 58. If we want the promises, then may God help us to be mindful of what it is he desires to see in our lives. Amen.